Welcome to The Passion Project. I'm Will Olke. And I'm Josh Rockwell. And our guest today is Isaac. Hello. So Isaac, you uh you produce your own music, right? You even you you produced our intro, in fact, uh, for this podcast. Yeah, um, I've been producing music for a while now. It's one of my favorite hobbies. I produce a lot of different kinds of music, mostly bass music, though. Okay. And that's a that's a genre of music. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like an umbrella, an umbrella genre. Okay. So there are like a ton of different genres underneath it. So there's like dubstep, of course, there's uh-huh. bass house. Okay. There's others that are like escaping me right now. And how would you like kind of classify the, the kind of music you make, like the stylations or wh- whatever that makes it the genre? Um, well, like the things that make bass music, bass music is that like the bass line is the focus of the track. Um, so the baseline would take up most of the mix and yeah, just have interesting bass sounds with it too. And I'm assuming that it would also have to be electronic. Um, like for instance, a classical piece of music, you know, with uh, heavy like melody in the baseline, like on a string bass, perhaps, you know, that, that wouldn't qualify as, as bass music, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, a lot of people, uh, definitely in experimental bass music, use like real samples for instruments. Okay. Um, but they could also put a bunch of different effects on it, like a phaser. They would obviously EQ it and modulate it a ton. Of course. So, yeah, I don't know. It just depends on how experimental people are willing to be with the genre. And and what is EQing? Um, just equalizing, like getting rid of certain frequencies in a sound. So like if you want something to be specifically just in the low end, you would just get rid of the higher frequencies in that sound. So to get down to like basics, like what, like how, how do you make your music? Like what's, um, you, you use a software, right? Uh, yeah. So of course to make electronic music and to produce music at all, you need a digital audio workstation. So that's um, that's programs like Audacity. That's programs like FL Studio. I personally use FL Studio just because that's what I started out with. So I don't want to like spend time learning new ones or looking into new ones. So yeah, and then of course from there I learned how to use different synthesizers and plugins and all kinds of different stuff. So this is where perhaps a MIDI keyboard would come in or uh, some sort of MIDI instrument, correct? Yeah, of course. Like um, a lot of people use MIDI instruments where they would just plug it into their computer and use their instruments to kind of draw notes in their digital audio workstation. A lot of people like it because it gives a more natural feeling to their music. Whereas if they would just draw in the notes, everything would be perfectly timed and people some people don't like that because it's not very human you know yeah that's understandable so the the alternative to using like a midi instrument would be just drawing them in you know with your like mouse and keyboard or whatever yeah that's mostly what i do just because i'm not like the best pianist and it's just easier because 
uh, going back and editing stuff is easier, and I do that a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. How long does it take to make a song or maybe even a part of a song? Um, that definitely depends, like, both on the genre and your personal style. Like, I know um, there was a producer called Spag Hetty, and at a point he was actually producing a song from start to finish, like, every day, pretty much, which wow. is insane because, yeah, the, he would have to do that within, like, 12 hours, given time to, like, sleep and eat. But, yeah. Well, what about... Oh, what about you personally? Um, me personally, it's kind of hard to say because uh, I have a lot of projects going on at one time. And usually when I work on a project, it's like very marginal improvement to it, you know? So a project could take like a whole month to complete, but maybe I only put like 20 hours into it. So, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And then there are, of course, artists who are perfectionists and take hundreds and hundreds of hours to produce one song. So talk me through like your process from like start, like how does like the start of your song, like, like you're like, man, this melody in my head sounds cool or however that works. And then till the end, like how does, what does that look like for you? And like, kind of just take me through the process. All right, well, I usually try and start off with an interesting sound. So I would mess around with some synthesizers for a while and just like, you know, turn a bunch of knobs and experiment. And then once I have a good sound, I can make like a melody around it or I can just add drums and like play the one note and call it good or I can you know, do a lot of things from there. But yeah, the usually one sound is my base for a whole track. And then I just work from there. Uh, how many songs have you made? Uh, like, do you, uh, like, what, what, like a number to it? Like put a number to it? Oh, God, I don't know. I think like, in terms of songs I've released, it's about 20. Um, in terms of songs I've made, it's probably around like 40. Is there a lot of songs that I actually like start and uh, go all the way to completion and then I just kind of look at it and say think like yeah this is kind of cool but it's I don't know it's not really my style or I don't know um, there are other songs that I'm prouder of than this so yeah I usually only release the stuff that I'm really proud of but I make a lot of music other than that makes sense yeah all right. So for um, when you're looking at your music and you are like deciding um, whether or not you're going to release it, do you have like a final stage of tweaking or do you just have like fully made songs and then you're like, yeah, I think I'll release that? Um, well, like in the final stages, I usually like when I'm going to decide whether or not to release like a finished track. If I decide to release it, then I usually kind of sit on it for a week and add like a bunch of little tweaks. I try to master all my music myself and I try to mix it all myself. Um, so yeah, I give a lot of time for small tweaks, which is 
kind of unconventional because like professional producers will oftentimes send their songs off to other people to mix and master. And yeah, that's why a lot of uh, modern songs sound so polished because there are people whose job it is, is just specifically to like tweak songs at the end to make it sound like as good as possible. So I'm not very uh, like knowledgeable about this. So like, what does it mean to like mix and master, mix and um master a song and like what's the differences between you know you doing it personally or like these pros who send it off to other pros like what 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 are those differences um well in a digital audio workstation there's uh there are different channels that your uh <clears throat> sounds go to and they all go to a master channel so mixing a song would be to tweak the levels and the effects on all the separate channels that the uh, sounds go to. So basically just like making sure no specific sound is overbearing or takes up too much of the mix or just adding like tiny effects in places to fill up space. And then um, mastering would be when that's all done and you put effects on the master channel. So maybe you would put like a multiband compressor on the master channel to make your uh, sound more balanced or put like a saturator to kind of fill in space and empty frequencies okay. and stuff like that. So there's like a whole art to just balancing sound. <laughs> yeah, pretty much like, if you have the whole setup of a song, you're pretty much only halfway done. You wow. still have to like mix everything and add effects. So, See, that's yeah. something me personally, I never knew about music that there's like a whole like, like almost uh, the shadow of it all is just the sound quality and the sound, um, the sound system and the mixing behind the scenes. Yeah, definitely. So, what are the differences between like? like an outside voice uh, or an outside opinion mixing a song versus like you who've, who you've worked on this song for a, a number of hours and now you are mixing it. Like, is there a big difference you would say? Um, well, I think uh, one big pet peeve that I have when people talk about like, or not even when they talk about mixing, but when people talk about music is they always want more bass and the thing is, if you mix a song perfectly, then the song will have as much bass as is possible and as much highs and mids as is possible. Because there's only so much loudness that you can get out of every part of the song. So if they were to push one part of the song too much, it would just distort the rest of it and make it sound uh really muddy so a lot of people will make the mistake of making like i don't know like a bass boosted version of a song without realizing that that really doesn't work with digital music okay so it kind of like tips the scales you would you would say yeah basically like if you boost a section too much 
then it would just distort everything else or make the mix really unbalanced and sound bad. Okay. So after becoming like a composer in music um, as like a pretty major hobby of your life, has there been any changes for you like personally listening, listening to music that's maybe either like you've noticed in songs or maybe like ruined some songs just because you understand how it's made? Um, I wouldn't say it's ruined any songs for me. If anything, it has given me like a greater appreciation for the music I used to listen to. Because, um, like, say when I when I go back and listen to like older dubstep, even though it sounds kind of primitive, um, it has really given me like a huge appreciation of that. Because I can actually think of okay, this is how they made this sound, and this is how they made this sound. And um, the thing about most music that comes out and most music you listen to is that the mixes and masters are pretty top-notch. Like, the music industry is so oversaturated now that pretty much only the best kind of rises to the top. And yeah, so... I'd say it's given me a greater appreciation in terms of mixes and masters and also in terms of like different sounds. Like there are some sounds I hear, especially in modern dubstep that I have no idea how to make. And it just wows me every time how creative people can be, especially since most of the time they use the same synthesizers that I do. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So we, we all, all three of us, we uh, took part in a music composition class together. Now, uh, Isaac, you're producing music before you took this class, but uh, do you think that the taking that, that music composition class, which focused more on traditional instruments and composing for traditional instruments, do you think that uh, influenced you in any way or maybe give, gave you some, some insights into producing bass music? Uh, yeah, it gave me a greater appreciation for the actual music theory behind everything because even though bass music is kind of basic, no pun intended, <laughs> um, music theory plays a huge part in it. Like, you still need to... Um, know how to write chords and how to write melodies and how to make sure everything's in key and sounds good um so yeah that's really helped me be able to do all that and make my melodies and chord progressions a lot better as well as my instrumentation really um because instrumentation is really important in composing uh so you're kind of like forced to pay attention to that and that helped me out a lot in producing yeah so did you have any music theory um experience before you started producing um no i didn't even know like how to make things in key i kind of just um learned how to use my daw my digital audio workstation and a few plugins and I kind of just started like experimenting which to be fair I think is still like a good way to get into um producing music but eventually everyone's gonna have to learn the music theory if they're gonna want to 
make music, you know? Like, you can't just yeah make music without knowing the theory behind it. And would you say now that you, like, you know more music theory, or would you say that you're pretty proficient with music theory? Or, like, where's your level at? Um, I'd say I'm still, like, pretty beginner in music theory, but uh, at this point, I'm pretty confident in my ability to write melodies and chord structures and have that be supported by the sounds I use and have all my parts kind of fit together. And since producing music, since that class, have you taken any other sort of music theory based classes? Um, not really. I haven't really taken many music classes aside from music comp and that was not even, um, it was like barely a class, I think. It was kind of just a bunch of projects that helped me learn uh, little bits of music theory here and there. But yeah, um, pretty much everything that I know right now, I've learned from YouTube or just like researching or you know reading articles on different things. And so just kind of educating myself. Yeah, very self-taught um, music theory. Yeah, I don't think you really need formal education to be a producer. I mean, people will probably disagree with me, but <laughs> I think everything that you really need to know can uh, either be intuitively figured out or just learned by uh, trial and error or just reading stuff online. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, people's opinions are swayed by uh, sort of how they do things. So if uh, there are people who don't have formal education, they'll say that's the best way to do it. And, of course, people who, you know, paid for that formal education will say, oh, yeah, no, formal education is the way to do it. So I can completely uh, understand why, like, you don't need that formal education of music theory to start producing your own music. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, formal education would probably help me, but it, I don't think it's necessary at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've listened to your music, too. I think it sounds fantastic. I think it sounds really good. And, you know, no formal education required. So, yeah, it's I think it's just a matter of how much of your life you want to commit to something like I yeah. see music production as more of a hobby for me. And I really like that hobby. It's probably my favorite hobby. But yeah, I don't I don't really see a need to dedicate my life to learning about it. Yeah, that makes sense. So kind of jumping to your songs, like, so you, you have a bunch of songs that you've kind of released on um, YouTube and SoundCloud. Um, mm -hmm. Going back and listening at some of your like older songs, maybe even unreleased songs. Like, where have you seen, like, growth in your music? Um, well, for one thing, I didn't even put anything on the master channel in my older songs. <clears throat> like, I think my first song, um, my first song didn't even have, like, a compressor on it, which is super standard for putting effects on the master channel. And what's, um, a, what's a compressor? Compressor? Well, a compressor basically just makes the quiet sounds louder and the louder sounds quiet. It just kind of makes everything more balanced. And people can definitely like overdo it and overcompress the song, but 
for most electronic songs, it's you can bet money that it's there on the master channel. Yeah, that makes sense. Are there? Did you just like learn more mixing techniques, or were there were there more musical things that you would say you've um, grown over producing music, like melodies um, and like harmonies and maybe things like that? Well, definitely a little bit. I don't think my music is very uh, music theory intensive. Like, it's not very complex in that way. I think most of the ways that my music has improved is in production. So, like, I've definitely included more different kinds of synthesizers. I've started uh, creating my own patches instead of just using uh, preset patches. And, of course, I started using way more effects on every instrument just to kind of like tweak them to yeah. what i really want and of course i'm better at mastering now uh and yeah so when you said patches i just i'm not sure what patches are so can you just explain what they are um so a patch is basically well, you have your synthesizer, right? And you can yeah. adjust certain levels on it. So a patch is just something that saves all the values of your synthesizer so that you can use them. So like, um, say I have my synthesizer and I set it to like two sine waves and a saw wave. So that's my patch would be the two sine waves and a saw wave. It would just save those values. So it's like creating your own synthesizer like algorithm. Can I say that? <laughs> yeah, basically. Well, that's very cool that you, you said you made your own, right? Yeah, I've started to make my own within the past few months. So out, so of, that... um, out of all your songs, like, um, were, are there any that like, kind of come out to you as like, your favorite like, that you've worked on? Um, Termination definitely involved the most amount of effort that I put into a song. Like, uh, just making all the different parts and tweaking everything. And I think the majority of the patches in that are my own, except for the brass and, of course, the drums. I use samples. But yeah, most of my recent stuff involves a lot more time put into it like my older stuff i could i could have probably made within like a day but um my recent stuff like underwater is a good example that took me a long time to make uh especially since now i put a lot more effort into mastering which involves like a bunch of tiny tweaks so it's really not a fast process so would you say Mastering is just what's made production so much uh, more time-consuming, or are there other things, too? Um, well, making the patches definitely takes time. It's a lot of just tweaking stuff and seeing uh, what works and, you know, just keeping an open mind. Um, but, yeah, mastering usually takes a long time because uh, in order to get a good master you need to kind of have a fresh outlook on what you're mastering. Because if you just listen to the same thing over and over, it'll eventually start to 
um, sound good and you won't make changes to it. So you need to like give yourself time to not just be constantly listening to the same thing over and over and then come back to it with an objective mindset so you can make objectively good decisions regarding the master. And that's why most people hire a separate person to master their tracks because that separate person will have a completely fresh outlook on uh, what could benefit that track. Do you do anything to kind of put yourself in the mindset of like fresh eyes on your music to kind of like comb through and, uh, and tweak some things? Or do you just kind of like, do you just do it? To reset your palate. Um, well, usually, like, I'll try to, if I'm in the process of mastering a song, I'll try to listen to it as little as possible. Um, like, I'll listen to it, make some small adjustments, and then I'll just go do something else for the majority of my day, and then I'll come back to it and hopefully think of some other little imperfections in it that I could fix. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Isaac, for your for your songs, um, Thunderjolt is your most recent uh, song, right? Yep. I really like that song, and I was wondering, like, kind of like, what did you have an inspiration for it, or did, was it just one of those projects you were working on? Um, well, this is one of the projects that really didn't take me that long because I was just really inspired right off the bat, so I didn't have to experiment that much. Um, it's based off of a producer that I really like called Spaghetti. Uh, he kind of pioneered that sort of like, uh, melodic, uh, bass music that you would hear in Thunderjolt. And most of the sounds that you hear in that are like attempts to replicate Spaghetti's sounds. So like the, um... The really high screech is something that you find in his music a lot. And the growls especially are like very Spaghetti inspired. Yeah. So yeah. other than other than Spaghetti, are there any other producers or like song creators that you take inspiration from? Um well my favorite producer right now is a producer called Must Die. And I'm very inspired by him. Uh, in pretty much every aspect of his production. I think it's top-notch. And um, a lot of times when I make, like, build-ups and drops, I look to his sound for inspiration because I think he's probably one of the best producers right now. So why not try to learn from the best? Yeah, I mean, a drawing from uh, other so songs seems like a very easy way to just kind of, like, um, acquaint yourself with the genre and kind of like get your own um, like inspirations from them to make your own music. Yeah, I think that's a really good creative process for pretty much anything. It's just to try and uh, copy something that you like and then make changes until it's your own and you have your own kind of voice through that. Like even... Um, even popular artists, like I can name E. Hyde. He was very inspired by Spaghetti, and at first he was kind of like a rip off of him, and then he kind of uh, offshoot and did his own thing. 
And I think I'm still trying to find like my signature sound. So I have a really hard time making songs completely from scratch right now. I usually need like some inspiration to, um, to go off of, but yeah, that's kind of like the story for every artist is they just try their best to copy something until eventually they're just so good at it. They don't have to copy people at all anymore. And that's kind of what you're trying to do. You're just copying and trying to find your own sound right now. Yeah, pretty much. It's pretty much what everyone does. Like it usually takes people a long time to find their own song, find their own sound. Like um, if a producer just comes on the scene and they're like instantly good, that's how you know that they were producing under a different name before because no one is like instantly good and unique, you know? Yeah. So yeah. what is the, what is the future of your, your like production going to look like? What do you hope to achieve in the future? Well, I mostly just produce music for myself cause I find it fun, but um, I think I'm going to try and focus on finding my own signature sounds. I've kind of, narrowed down the genres that I like to produce into uh, dubstep and heavy synthwave. I'm working on a synthwave track right now that's like almost done. And I think it's really good. Um, But yeah, I think just learning more about the craft, uh, learning more about what specific types of songs I like to make, and just trying to be the best producer I can be. So Isaac, on YouTube, you have video uh, visual um, aspects to your your songs. And I was just mm-hmm. wondering how that was made and how you um, yeah, how you make those. Um, well, I used to use a special program for like visualizing music. Um, but now I use a plugin within my DAW that actually exports a video which is super convenient. It's super nice. It takes forever to render, but it's super nice. And yeah, I think uh, with my most recent song, Thunderjolt, I finally nailed the visual aspect. Yeah. Because um, with all my other YouTube videos, I, I don't know. I feel like I really could have done better um, making either making things simple or like syncing up the visuals better or like, I don't know, doing just doing something better, you know, but I, I'm pretty satisfied with my most recent video. And I think I'm going to have that as a template for everything I do moving forward to make it more uniform, like your channel. Yeah, pretty much. It's uh, good for branding and it's easier. So why not? And what about your like actual song, like album covers kind of thing? Like, how do you like, what's your inspirational uh, inspiration to make those? And, like, kind of what's your process with that? Um, well, it's I usually make them, like, a few days before I publish something. And it's usually just, like, images I, uh, I find on the internet. And then I just, like, edit them a lot or put them together. You know, stuff like that. Um, sometimes it's pictures I've taken myself. But yeah, usually I just throw them in an editor, put like a lot of effects on them, 
kind of make it, try to make it look clean, put the name of the track and uh, the artist's name on there and call it a day. Yeah, cool. How do you come up with the names for your songs? Because I have noticed that they all have very interesting names. Uh, <laughs> um, it's mostly last second. Like when I'm working on a song, I usually don't have a name in mind until I'm completely done with it. So that's kind of like the process of publishing a song. So I'll finish a song and then I'll kind of sit on it for a few days and think of something to name it. And usually it's something really simple. Like, um, I like to go with just one word titles, Mm -hmm. nothing fancy. Cause I think, um, I think the, the music itself should, you know, speak for itself. But yeah, I, I try to at least kind of brand my music with the title. For sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I uh, write poetry sometimes. And sometimes I'll think of, uh, I'll like finish the poem and then I will title it. Other times I will think of a title like a really cool title for something. And I'll be like, how can I turn this into an actual like poem? So I was wondering if that happens to you. Oh yeah. Um, I, yeah, I pretty much never title stuff because whenever I, whenever I start a track, I know there's pretty much like a 90% chance that I'm just going to trash that project eventually. So um, it's kind of like, you know, farmers don't, usually name their chickens so (laughs) i try not to get attached to projects that (laughs) won't end up very good yeah that makes sense hey everybody it's me meta will i'm just hopping in here after the recording of this podcast to let you know that in a second here we're going to talk about isaac's newest release thunder jolt in detail Uh, and i thought it may perhaps be a good idea to Uh, give you a little taste of what that sounds like. If you'd like to hear the full version of that, you can find that on Isaac's YouTube, SoundCloud, or Newgrounds, all of which should be in the description below or at the end of the episode. Isaac talks about all of those. Um, So here's about a one-minute clip of Thunder Joy. So with your, you know, latest song Thunder Jolt, you had, with the obvious tie-in to Pikachu and Smash Brothers, like, did you have, um, was that just an again on the spot like idea, or did you 
because like you you have some references to pikachu like in the actual song like when did you realize that you wanted it to be kind of themed um so i had the song without any of the pikachu samples and um i was i knew i wanted some vocal samples in it just to like make it more interesting but i kind of didn't know where i was going with that so i was just sitting on it for a while and then i played in a smash tournament that some people organized and <laughs> i thought it was funny because the commentators were kind of making fun of me for using uh the move thunder jolt over and over and over again which yeah. to be fair i was doing <laughs> um so yeah i thought it would be really funny to just name a track after that to kind of kind of poke fun at myself and people in that community um, and the very annoying move of thunder jolt and smash brothers <laughs> oh yeah of course uh it's my favorite move too so it's it worked out well and i think the pikachu samples fit in well yeah i really i really enjoyed it when i listened to it yeah i was actually able to download a folder with every single uh, voice sample from Smash Bros. Ultimate. So that's wow. Oh, wow. that's a pretty good library of samples that I can uh, use in the future. Yeah, that's that's very useful. Yeah. So I know you use other samples in um, some of your other songs. I don't have any specifics, but like, how do you like find the samples that you want to use, or like? Like, where do you draw the inspiration from to use them? Um, well, finding samples, especially vocal samples, is something I usually do near the end of production. Um, I like to work with a lot of, like, raw synthesizers. So I don't use a ton of samples in my music relative to other people. But um, pretty much every track of mine uses samples of course, for like percussion and also just for like vocal samples. But yeah, I usually have an idea of what I want for that. Like um, maybe I want someone who's kind of angry or someone who's like <laughs> yelling or just whatever feel I'm going for with the song. So I'll just do a lot of Googling and it. It's usually kind of a long and tedious process, but I usually end up finding something that I really like, so it's kind of a, a necessary part of my process now. Yeah. So uh, to diverge sort of from producing music now into, uh, I suppose, playing music, uh, we all were in choir. Uh, I still am in choir, and you guys... Uh, have stopped but we're all bass voices so it kind of ties into the uh the bass music do you think that because you have a a bass voice that drew you to specifically bass music because of that the the bass the the focus on the bass uh no i liked bass music back when i was a soprano yeah yeah that's right. Uh, you you are uh, uh, inquired before your voice dropped. Uh, yeah, very early. 
do you think that being in choir at a young age sort of drew you to music as more of a hobby or did it just not have any effect um if anything my love of music kind of drew me to choir because um you know choir is kind of easier to get into as opposed to like band or orchestra yeah you don't really need to go through that uh pretty big learning curve of like just learning an instrument so you can begin to start playing music yeah uh but yeah choir has definitely inspired me a lot and shaped my taste in music Mm -hmm. because um you know choir you have kind of that human element of you know people singing for sure and i really value that in music Mm -hmm. especially now because i've been in choir for so long yeah there's also that that group dynamic to singing i think that that for me that's one of the biggest the biggest draws of choirs that sort of the the group dynamic of you know everyone's singing together and everyone's voices coming together everyone singing the same thing do you feel like you sort of miss out on that a little bit when you when you produce music you know as a a sort of solo endeavor um well it's two very different things like making music by yourself is kind of a more artistic thing i think Mm -hmm. um you're kind of expressing yourself without like the input of anyone else and i think that's like the very core of art yeah, uh, for sure. meanwhile in choir um you're kind of working with people as a team and not to say that that's like bad or inferior to doing things as an individual uh i just think that uh both styles kind of have two very different goals you know yeah yeah that makes complete sense yeah yeah, like inquire. Uh, you wanna like each part wants to sing all the same, except for solos, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is something to be said about a bunch of people coming together and kind of making the composer's vision come to life, or like a choir director directing people. Yeah. Um, to kind of fit his or her. Uh, vision for a song mm-hmm. and i feel like each time a like in choir we talked about um like taking what is in the music and kind of making it your own and kind of turning like the message of the the song and maybe uh, like kind of putting in uh your own spin on it um and i guess i, I have a question for you isaac so taking that into account like what how do you feel if someone were to like maybe in the future like take you as an example and take your music and try to put their own spin on it like how do you feel about um uh not not parody music but uh, uh what's the other what's like uh, remixes yeah like a like a remix or something like that um i think it's really cool because with music i don't think any music is entirely original like um producers still use synthesizers that uh people that other people have made producers still use samples that other people have made and people are still like inspired 
by other people, um, especially in genres like uh, hip hop, where it's extremely sample and loop based. Everyone's just kind of like iterating on what other people are doing and kind of putting their own spin on it. And I think that's a really cool thing because it lowers the, um, it kind of lowers the barrier of entry for people to express themselves, you know? Yeah. So like uh, people don't have to build everything from scratch anymore. And people can kind of like just go out and look for stuff that they like and yeah, put their own spin on it. And I mean, I think that's kind of what music is, is just expressing yourself. And, you know, especially to me, I feel like you can see how people are expressing themselves in their music and their message and their like ideals. And I think that's just very cool when, when singing someone else's music, listening to someone else's music, it's just, I think it's just a great thing. Yeah, of course. Um, like for me, I think music is probably my favorite art form, um, like far above everything else, just cause, um, people can get so unique with it and it can be so personal to some people, but it can also just be kind of fun, like EDM. Yeah. Do you guys still sing at all? Either of you? Oh, yeah, I, I love singing in the car. That's kind of my thing, going uh, to and from work. I kind of um, have, like, Spotify premium and just kind of, like, roll oh, yeah. through some tracks. and then... Oh, yeah, I definitely feel that. Yeah, sing in the shower. Yeah. Not so much Hell choir yeah. anymore. Yeah. That's, choir I... just ended up being too much of a time sink for me, you know. Yeah, that's understandable. I don't really drive yeah, anywhere anymore, so I end up. That's where I sing mostly is in the shower. Uh, yeah. The you know we're we're still in the midst of this quarantine. You know we can't sing with other people. Yeah, I I still very much enjoy singing a choir. It's just I don't know. It's kind of sad. It just doesn't work out with my life yeah. anymore. That's unfortunate. I managed to. Uh, well, I decided to be a music minor. So I get to uh, keep that as part of my life. Yeah. Which I'm, awesome. I'm very pleased with. And I think it's an amazing thing that, you know, I'm very glad that I went through, you know, high school and a little bit of college with choir because mm -hmm. I just, I don't know, it's just a very special time. Like you get to meet so many cool people and just, yeah, you just get to make great music. Yeah, you definitely meet a lot of different types of people that you wouldn't meet otherwise for sure yeah you know for better or for worse but you know most people were cool yeah um yeah and that's i mean that's kind of in all facets there's always going to be those weirdos in the in in all life but i feel like you just you, you accept them because it's just kind of i feel like we're all a, a little weird you know yeah yeah I think it goes back to that, like, expression of self thing again. Mm -hmm. um, like, I think in choir, people are a lot looser. They're a lot more uh, honest, I think, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah which, is, which is great. Yeah.
you don't really get that with a lot of um, lines of work or classes or mm-hmm. you know things like that. Yeah. And I was in I was in band for a number of years. I played um, trombone when I was younger, and I think what drew me away from band and more to choir was just more of the community and just the. I definitely enjoyed myself because I felt more more free to express myself within choir. Where I feel like with. I mean, not that you couldn't express yourself in, with band and those instruments. I just felt personally, I felt more at home and more kind of um, kind of more free in choir. I definitely agree with that. I mean, I was only in band for one year, but I definitely felt a lot different in choir than I did ever in, in band. Yeah, I was only ever in choir, but I definitely get the feeling like they're two different, very or very different environments. Yeah, for sure. Do you guys feel like choir, um, the music specifically from choir sort of gives you context for other things? Because I feel like I hear songs that we sang in choir like all the time. Yeah, it definitely gives me more like appreciation for singing. Like, um, I don't think if I, if I wasn't in choir, I definitely... Uh, wouldn't have as much appreciation for singers as they do now. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> people don't realize about like a modern, a lot of uh, modern pop stars and things like that is that their their ranges are pretty impressive and oh yeah, yeah. For you know sure. they go through a lot of vocal coaching to get their voice to sound that way. So yeah, I wouldn't have that appreciation if I wasn't in choir. So. We've talked a lot about about making our own music, but uh, and we kind of, we lightly touched on listening to music. So, um, what what kind of music do you listen to, Isaac? Is it similar to the stuff that you produce? Um, yeah, definitely. I think it's it's definitely good for people who make music to like the kinds of music that they make. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I wouldn't be making the music I make if I didn't like the genre, Mm -hmm. but yeah. I also uh, really like metal as well as, Mm -hmm. you know, folk punk. Oh, yeah. I don't make those (laughs) genres, obviously. It's not really an electronic genre, and I don't really know how to play. But yeah, I can can still appreciate those two genres very greatly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was... I was going to ask, do you explore a lot outside of your specific genres that you listen to? Yeah, definitely. Um, Even like within the genres I listen to, I think um, there's a lot more experimentation in music than a lot of people realize. So there's some like really weird stuff out there that um, probably (laughs) doesn't sound good to most people, but... You know, if you listen to a genre for long enough, then you'll get the ear training for it, and then you can kind of uh, listen to the more experimental stuff within that genre. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I also listen to folk punk. That's sort of my domain. Is sort of more of that punk, that punk sound. I uh, I've moved a little bit more towards like alt and indie. Uh, 
rock, but uh, folk punk, punk rock is sort of where I made my foray into listening to my own music instead of my, my dad's music. Um, yeah. And, and recently I've sort of started listening to more like indie pop and lo-fi and, you know, all sorts of different things. And I definitely have done a lot of, a lot of exploration, uh, even internationally to find, you know, the, the music that's just right for me. Yeah. I think, um, young people especially do a lot of like, uh, looking for new music. I think there was something I saw where it said, like, once you get to a certain age, you just stop looking for new music because hmm. you've kind of found out exactly what you like and what your tastes are. Huh. I mean, that makes sense. Once you find a genre, you you find that this is really, you know, your thing. Like, you just listen to it, it a bunch. And I mean, I, I kind of, I see where that makes sense. Yeah, of course. And a lot of different genres require some ear training too. So like a lot of heavier music doesn't sound good to people who have never listened to the lighter stuff mm -hmm. and yeah. people can, um, if they want, they can just listen to like, uh, kind of easy listening and it's all still, all still valid. I think the same goes for, you know, uh, a completely different direction, 12 tone, music i think is uh more of an acquired taste as well oh, and yeah, uh, what is what is 12 tone music 12 tone music is music that uses um all 12 tones in an octave and sort of just uh is non-melodic uh and uh doesn't have any chords no th there's there's structure to it it's just hard to find yeah, I've heard some of that. It's weird. <laughs> it's kind of hard to get into, but yeah. I'm sure like some people really love it for its uh, experimental value. Indeed. Yeah. There are also things like... I really appreciate things like weird tempos and weird time signatures, personally. Mm -hmm. um, because like a lot of the um a lot of what bass music is is messing around with different rhythms so i think i've kind of i have kind of like a well-rounded taste when it comes to like weird rhythms yeah and stuff like that yeah that makes sense yeah not so much tonality i kind of <laughs> i i like my music to be easy to listen to in terms yeah. of that's, tone, but that's yeah. understandable. No super crazy twelve tone, any musical extremes or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I like my music to be in a key. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the type of music that I listen to is pretty pretty basic. It's just uh, tends to be more of like either old or new, and kind of um, like alternative style and. Honestly, I, I listen to almost any kind of music. I don't think there's really been any music that I'm like, yeah, I can't really jam with this, you know? A way to be specific. I mean, I just, <laughs> I'm not a very specific music listener. Like, I'll yeah, listen to country and be like, you know, that's fine. Or I'll listen to electronic and be like, yeah, I, I jive with this. 
I feel like maybe I'm still looking for that one that's like, this is it, but I'm definitely, I definitely a broad spectrum of music for me. Yeah. Well, I think you too, especially aren't as much of like a, a heavy music listener. Like I will listen to music all the time. You know, when I'm just doing like random things, I, I will be like, yeah, I want to listen to music right now while I do this. Uh, yeah. And I think a lot of people are that way, but I don't think you're that way. I mean, I still, I listen to music when I'm having to do work, any of that kind of thing. But for me, I tend to, it, it uh, distracts me too much because I want to listen to the music rather than, you know, do the work or yeah. do. So when I'm doing like, maybe like mowing the lawn or like if I'm driving somewhere where it's more like mindless, like yeah. I love listening to music then. And I think it's like um, when I can like put my attention towards the music, I find I enjoy it a lot more rather than kind of getting like focusing and then kind of listening in the background and kind of kind of going back and forth between those. Mm-hmm. So that's why personally, I just don't listen as much. Yeah, fair enough. I don't think, um, I don't think anyone would say like they don't like music. I think yeah, everyone I mean, is a pretty big fan of music in general. Yeah. I think it's pretty safe to generalize there. But yeah, I think the, the difference is I think, is just how much you're willing to like step out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. when it comes to that. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I think it's, yeah. If you're just kind of listening to music as something to do, then I don't know. I don't really uh, see that as kind of um, the same thing as when people listen to music to kind of, uh, challenge their sensibilities or um, look into what's possible with audio in general. Yeah. There are definitely two kind of spectrums to, to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And with that, we can we can wrap up. All right. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, Isaac, would you would you like to kind of plug what you're doing, like your um, like where people can go to find your music? Uh, sure. I'm Isaac Ebert on YouTube. I'm Nitric, N-Y-T-R-I-K on SoundCloud and Newgrounds. You can check me out there. That would be much appreciated. And yeah, I'm just, uh, trying to make as much good music as I can right now. And it sounds amazing. I I love your stuff. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Passion Project. I'm Josh Rockwell. And I'm Will Olke. We'll see you next week.